How are you guys? Um, my name is Corey Greco. I'm a VP of Sales and Marketing with Armis Pharmaceuticals. We are a very small generic manufacturer, um, seven employees total actually, and and that'll be relevant <clears throat> to some of the information and stuff I want to talk about um, because we see value in blockchain being a very small manufacturer. Um, and the and the takeaway from today I hope is that. Even the smallest company can find ways to use this technology today and into tomorrow, just like the theme of uh, the the conference here. Now, how do I work this thing? Is this this slot? Uh, there. No. Gotcha. All right. Cool. All right, so this was my opening slide. But like I said, um, I work for Armis. Um, I'm also a consultant for Chronicled, who's here today as well. Um, started work with them about a year ago, but the funny part about blockchain for me is I don't consider myself an expert by any means. Um, and I think that's the beauty of this conference. And I think that's the biggest challenge we have in my industry in the generics is just bringing awareness, starting to build that trust. That word seems to be through everyone's presentations here, trust. So the goals for today, I want to clearly separate blockchain and crypto. I think that's one of the biggest problems I'm seeing as I talk to different companies and make them aware of what's available in the generic space today. Um, I even was asked from one manufacturer that I was talking to if blockchain was a company. <clears throat> and he was a head of IT. And I'm not making fun of them, it's just I think that's a, a snapshot of how far we have to go to teach people. <clears throat> uh, I'll go over a review of today's generic market, the changes and challenges that came from COVID. Um, there's a whole bunch of them. In a way, our whole world got turned upside down in the industry, and we had to learn a different way to do business. Um, constructing a virtual manufacturer. A virtual manufacturer is a generic company that doesn't own a manufacturing facility, doesn't have its own warehousing. <clears throat> essentially relies on different entities uh, to run different aspects of their business. And then, of course, what we're here today for, blockchain, <clears throat> today and tomorrow in the generic industry. So the, the generic market today, it's a lot of fun. Uh, pricing keeps coming down. You know, the challenges to manufacture um, pile up and, you know, the cost of doing business is going up. And a lot of that can be driven from regulation changes. You know, it could be DSCSA, FDA regulations, like serialization. It's a big cost. You know, for a company of our size to put a program like that in place, it, it severely impacts the bottom line of every bottle of product that we sell or any injectable we sell. Um, but after COVID, I think what happened with a lot of the bigger, bigger accounts, you know, you got the CVS's, the Cardinals, the, the big retail accounts, and the wholesalers, um, they, they are now demanding a, a level of transparency, and that word is up there. Um, transparency. I need, they want to know where the product's coming from, where the raw materials come from. They're asking those questions now, because at our, at, it, there, could be one man, there could be three manufacturers using the same API source, right? So if we have a COVID situation where India shuts down export like they did during COVID, you now have three manufacturers out, out, out of the market on that product. And I think as an industry, we learn there's a lot of vulnerabilities to our supply chain. And all of the companies involved have to make changes to how they do business. 
So all of these new quality, quality regulatory changes, um, all of these new requirements from customers demanding transparency, there, there needs to be a technology to support that. Because remember, I said Armis has seven employees. You know, and those seven people do as much as they can. They wear 50 hats. I know myself, I wear a lot of different hats. Um, but we need technology to support the, the true goals that we're trying to reach as, in building a generic manufacturer. Uh, so when I, I, I've been part the last eight years <clears throat> on starting these small, a smaller manufacturer. So the last seven years, um, in the beginning, I would say the startup phase, you're always, you need to find a product, right, um, as a virtual manufacturer, and someone has to make it for you, because remember, you don't have manufacturing. You don't have a warehouse either, so you got to find that. You got to find somebody to be a 3PL for you. And of course, you need to get contracts and agreements set up with the customers. You're always going to need staff. Right? You always need staff to run your company, but in some cases you don't even need that because you can hire it out through service providers to run a generic manufacturer. <clears throat> Problem is, the more service providers you add, the more interactions you have, right? The more information you need to stay on the same page with your partners. But as I've watched these type of companies grow, and Armis is in year four, um, our focus now is always on staff and service providers. These are in no particular order. Um, but now I've seen a need for technology more than ever. And in the beginning, you don't have the money. You don't have the, you don't have the, the argument to put $100,000 to a new service provider. You're worried about getting that, pro getting that company up and running. And remember, in our industry, one NDC code activates the need for every department. And that's a lot to ask for, for just a team of one, two, or three people. So that's why it's important to think about how you can bring on service providers especially with techn technology options to advance how you do business. <clears throat> so in a way, my vision of a company is to try to get to this all-encompassing battle bot. This is, uh, uh, this is one of my favorite movies here, um, Transformers. And I know this seems a little childish, but at, at the same time, it's like you hope to get to a certain level with your company. You know what you need to get to. You know what you need to to provide the service that the CVSs are asking for. Um, but the reality of it in the beginning, like I said, in the startup phase, you're more like Wally, where you, you really have nothing, and it's a blank slate. Um, and that's okay. I like being the little guy in today's market, because I think we have, a we have a different level of nimbleness, we have a different level of responsiveness um, that allows us to compete from a service and supply standpoint. It's not always about price nowadays in the generic market. <clears throat> so blockchain, that's what we're here for. I'll go over some of the uses of today, what's being used in today, specifically with MediLedger and Chronicled, and that's been the, the bulk of my experience so far working with them uh, at both of the companies that I've worked for recently. So VRS, contract management communication, GPO roster alignment, um, and then the fun process of chargeback adjudication, which causes a whole bunch of problems. <clears throat> so VRS, if anybody knows it, we'll go over it from the ABC version here, but essentially from a manufacturer standpoint, this is a FDA, DSASA requirement. We have to push all of our GTINs, all of our lot information into <clears throat> MediLedger. And from there, that blockchain network now holds, uh, it's a repository for the information. So now if, you see that little picture there, if one of the wholesalers or distributors gets a bottle of product, they have to verify that it's good to sell still. We call that a saleable return. So once they scan it and determine that it's not counterfeit, it's an actual product, it can go back into stock and be sold again. We'd also create what we call a negative chargeback, <clears throat> where, the, where the wholesaler distributor bills themselves for it again. 
So that was the first uh, use of Mediledger. <clears throat> so this will be the most complicated slide we look at today. I know we're all hungry, so we'll try to get through this painless here. Current state of contracts, chargebacks, and rosters. Now, Mediledger, like I said, they, they have developed solution for tackling these problems. I'm going to try to break this up a little bit for you guys. So current process. If I'm Armis and I want to have a contract with a GPL, let's say Vizian, for example, <clears throat> I create that contract with them. We agree on the terms of, of the pricing, the, the timelines, whatever. Today, what I have to do is I have to go to ABC, Cardinal, McKesson, whoever else is, is going to service my contracts, and I have to load it with them. How is that done? It's done over EDI today, and it's also done over email. And for a company of our size, we don't even have the ability to do it over EDI yet. It's not offered through our 3PL, who's, who's doing our EDI services. So it's done over email, and today we can do 10 to 15 contracts a day. We send them out to the wholesalers, and we wait. And we wait, and we follow up, and the contract goes active, and sometimes those sales start coming in. Problem is, the, the members of the GPO, of Vizient, of Vizient, all those hospitals that are looking to buy off that contract that they believe was supposed to be there, is not ready to go. So now, the manufacturer, I have to chase down rebills. I have to chase down money that I might be owed. Same thing for the wholesaler. These type of misalignments cause problems for them as well. They lose money. We lose money during this. If we're arguing of when, over when a contract's supposed to be live, we're both losing money there. So from, from a roster standpoint, just to focus on that again, it's, it's really important for us, the manufacturer, and also the wholesaler, to know who is eligible for those contracts. And today, groups like Vizient will update their, will send out lists that are done over, that are done over uh, email, and then the manufacturer has the burden of trying to you know, conduct member, membership management functions. Um, Nine times out of ten, those lists are misaligned. The, the HIN numbers, the DEA numbers are not accurate. <clears throat> so there may be a customer that may be, say, eligible for a 340B <clears throat> or a uh, Medicaid contract, um, or they're not really, I'm, I'm sorry, they're not really eligible for that. Um, so the, the sale goes through on the wrong contract, which, call, which causes a slew of issues for all of us. Um, 844s, now when we, when we focus on chargebacks, now, when the actual sales are occurring, um, the, the, the manufacturer, the problems that it causes for us is I have one person at our team that deals with, with credits, rebills, uh, the whole chargeback process. And I know that person today spends close to 30 to 40 percent of every one of their days chasing down these issues. You know, I, I think it's too new to come up here and show you guys numbers and savings and all that. We're not there yet. And, I, and frankly, I don't need to see numbers and savings to know this stuff is going to work for our business. I know that it's going to save our team a lot of time. It's going to save me a lot of time. And it allows us to focus on things that we're supposed to be doing, innovating, new product development, customer service. So the issues that come from that, like I said, data misalignment. We're on different pages. We're on different times sometimes with our partners. Lots of manual effort. We have no visibility to each other's data, right? There's lots of disputes. We have some of our wholesalers have entire departments, hundreds of people that their job is just chargeback disputes. It's never real time, the data today. 
and of course it, revolts, it results in a ton of money lost for all of us. So the future, right? We talked about how MediLedger is now a solution for chargebacks, essentially a system of truth. So if all those contracts live within one system, we no longer can argue about the past or the future, right? So if, if, if a contract gets loaded, I don't need to send it to ABC, I don't need to send it to Cardinal anymore. As we both have a node, we both have access and are participants of MediLedger, as soon as that contract gets push, pushed in to the network, we're all on the same page. They cannot submit a chargeback that, that's incorrect anymore which means we don't need the team, we don't need the people to focus their time on, on error remediation. So where do I see the focus next, right? Where do I see the next problems that we can tackle? Um, and if you, if you think about the chargeback data, that's where the sale originates, right? Another responsibility we have as a manufacturer is to accrue and reconcile all the fees and rebates. One single bottle being sold can activate the need for us to accrue and reconcile maybe four, five, six, seven different fees, whether that's for customers that have fees from different, different areas or different departments, partners that are profit splits or, um, you know, certain different, uh, it, could, it could be also Medicaid, so we have to accrue for Medicaid rebates and things like that. Anything that's a future contract, anything that's future business, we can build those rules in with smart contracts and allow that part of our business to be automated. The world I live in and have lived in is uh, the whole customer service realm of our industry. And what a lot of manufacturers don't realize is that the importance, it's so important to service, it's not always about price anymore. So the companies that can perform on a day-to-day -day basis with simple things like communicating orders and communicating shipment tracking, there's a lot of them, there's a mess in that whole area. We get orders all the time, case packs are wrong, it results in lags of, of getting orders out on time. Um, omits, which mean products not in stock, and they're losing sales as well. So if you if you put a blockchain system in between, building the rules of how orders should be placed, case pack minimums, and all that, I see a way of completely automating order, order processing. Even when I get five, six, ten, twelve different emails every day, our customer service, where's my order? Where's my order? What if we just push all the tracking information into a centralized blockchain? Should cut out all those all those requests. Shipping discrepancies and, and returns and claims is a big headache for us. Um, we're always crediting the wrong price, and, and sometimes we don't even know it. Um, so I could see areas where eventually, if you take all the data from a sales perspective, the chargebacks and all that, and eventually incorporate the serial numbers, and you also do the same for returns and claims, in a way we can accomplish a full circle industry in the generic space. Because now I have a way to validate every bottle, what it was sold for, and if someone wants credit for it at end of life, I'll have the serialization data there to connect the dots and credit, and credit the right amount of money. I think we're a ways off from returns, and I'm excited about the, the chargeback contracts and GPO part of, of MediLedger, but um, I see areas in every single department, every single level of our industry, and I didn't even speak about the pharmacy and hospital. Uh, area, which I think is, needs some drastic improvements as well. Um, but I, I hope to be a part of bringing awareness to the generic space. Um, I think there's a lot we can do to make our industry better. But I, I wanted to thank the journal and thanks Tori for having me come. Uh, I hope to be part of it in the year's future. So thank you.